1975, Jaws was released. It is routinely regarded as one of the greatest films of all time and is generally credited with creating the concept of the summer blockbuster. In 1978, in an obvious cash grab, Jaws 2 was released, failing to have lightning strike a second time, but presenting a generally enjoyable film. In 1983, Jaws 3D was released, shamelessly attempting to take advantage of a gullible audience. By 1987, there was no pretense of quality as Lorraine Gary and Michael Caine cashed paychecks for sleepwalking through a pointless and incredulous sequel. In 2016, Paul Spatero created Is It Jaws, in which he and a group of rotating guest hosts discuss new and old movies and place them up against the Jaws scale, which ignores some elements of the actual films and sets forth a rating scale. Jaws, an all-time great classic film. Jaws 2, an enjoyable film with some flaws but worthy of multiple viewings. Jaws 3, a moderately enjoyable film. And finally, Jaws 4, a bad movie. Please join Paul and his guests as they ask the ever-important question, Is it Jaws? I'm retiring. Well, in that case, what are we drinking? Same for the goddaughter. Dad told me you found something on a train during the war. A dial that could change the course of history. Why are you chasing the thing that drove your father crazy? Don't move. We need to get out of here. Stop! Sorry. Helena! Dr. Jones, get him. Hitler made mistakes, and with this, I will correct them all. You stole it. Then you stole it. And then I stole it. It's called capitalism. This way! Fasten your seatbelt. There might be some turbulence. You've taken your chances, made your mistakes, and now a final triumph. Indiana Jones. A few times in my life I've seen things. I've been tortured with voodoo. I've been shot nine times. Including once by your father. Ah, sorry. But I've been looking for this all my life. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Is It Yours? I'm Paul Spataro, and as usual, I am here with Mr. Sean Whalen. Hey, Sean. Always a pleasure to be here, Paul. Always. And on the rare occasions when I can wrangle Mr. Scott Rifen, I pull him in and make him do an episode before he runs away. So we got him here with us today, too. Hey, Scott. Hi. That was, I'm from South Georgia, so I have to say it that way. Yeah, I think I've heard that before. That's state law, by the way. Uh, you have to do that. <laughs> I, I don't see. I wouldn't do it. I choose not to normally, but when I'm confronted with a situation where it could be played back and held against me, then I do it. Okay. All right. Well, I, 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 I appreciate you giving the "Is It Yours" audience just a little taste of South Georgia. Absolutely. Grits. See? See how that works? Instant grits or? Uh... No. What are you crazy? No, no self. What is it? No self-respecting southern would have instant grits. No, no. Ah. So we are here, and you know, I, I hate when people get pigeonholed, but I have pigeonholed you. Uh -oh. oh yeah, I'm your Indiana Jones guy. You're Indiana Jones and uh -huh. your Star Wars, and we got to do something else at some point. But, but right now, you know, when when I 
I went to the movies the other day and I saw Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. And I said, let's do an episode on this. And I said, well, who else am I going to invite besides Scott? You know, I mean, it's like, come on. I appreciate that. I'm glad to be thought of that way. So that's that's what we're covering today. And I'm going to start right off because I'm going to throw it out. And just for the audience. I did not pick Scott's brain to find out what he thought about this movie. He may have loved it. He may have hated it. I don't know. But I'm going to start off with what I consider to be the elephant in the room, because Mm. the major criticism I'm hearing of this, and Scott may have feelings about this, is people saying that this movie is just too woke for its own good. Uh, And I'm going to say, even though I am not a big fan of woke for woke's sake, if it's organically done and if it doesn't feel like they hit me over the head with a brick, I don't really care. Uh, in this particular case, even though I'm reading the criticism, I didn't feel it when I was watching the movie. None of that bothered me. And even in hindsight, I'm not really all that on top of it. But I don't know that you feel the same way. And I'm very curious to see how you do feel. Hmm. And uh, yeah, I feel bad because Sean, I don't think he's gotten half a word in so far. Um, he'll get his words and don't worry. Okay. He's, right. just, he's, he's not, he's not the best paid color man in the, in the, uh, <laughs> in the world for nothing. He's, there's, he's pay? Your Romo. there's pay. <laughs> <laughs> Shh. Yeah. Yeah. So you, get, you get paid when I do pal. I was going to say you get paid twice <laughs> what Paul does. Um, I, I was, I was worried, you know, it's funny. I was actually talking to somebody at work about this last week, um, who said, and I was surprised cause I, I, kind of consider her to be somebody who would tend towards wokeness and she said you know i was concerned there would be an agenda going into this and i didn't really find a lot of the agenda there uh and, and i'll agree with that i do think and i think you're what you're talking about is the agenda i mean the 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 story beats surrounding helena um, that's the criticism i'm hearing and I, I, yeah. again i didn't really feel it that much i thought what no. they did was fine. I didn't think she was. What, what do they call it when somebody's got way too much uh, ability? A Mary Sue? Yeah, I mean that's. I didn't. That's a misuse that didn't, of I didn't the term, that. but they do say that. Um, I I didn't. I think she was she was a little overpowered. Um, well, so is Indy. <laughs> yeah, well, not in this one. But no, uh, you know what? He was still. He was still. I. Uh, you know. I, I. I don't mean to interrupt you, but no, I thought no, they made some concessions me. to his age. I mean, Harrison Ford's eighty years old, yeah. playing somebody who I think is probably supposed to be seventy years old. That's my take. Uh, yeah. And I'm sixty years old, and I can't even do the stuff that he was doing in the, in this movie. So, <laughs> you know. Um, I, I didn't feel that they went too over the top with it. I mean, yeah. it was. You know, when when he was. Uh, Riding the horse in the subway, maybe that was a little much. But, you know, I thought they made concessions to his age. Uh, and I didn't think she was ridiculously more – had had. I don't even think she had as much ability as he did. So I'm, I'm kind of cool with it. Uh, I, I felt like she had a little more ability than she probably should have. And the other – I guess the biggest thing I have – the issue I have with her is that I don't feel like her story – she had a story arc. But her story arc didn't come – seem to come from anything outside. She seemed to fix herself during the course of her arc. And that, that would be the big criticism. I didn't think it was over the top woke. I mean, I didn't think it was unbearably woke. I didn't think it was, you know, and I'm no, I'm no friend of woke, but, um, it, it didn't turn me off the way. Uh, I think it's turning a lot of other people off and, and I'll get turned off if it's really, really bad. I will also say this though. I, I had two different, I have two different reviews of this movie. I have the review from the first night I saw it when I saw it on three hours sleep, heading towards two more hours of sleep. And then I have the review the second time I saw it. So, and they're kind of two slightly different, well, kind of two pretty different reviews. How much time passed between the two viewings? I saw Thursday night, the opening. Uh, I saw it at 10 p.m. after I hosted Trivia Night, after I had been at work since 4 o'clock that day, after I had some uh, conspiracy theorist blowing up my messages all night and couldn't sleep because he kept banging up my messages and being insulting. And then... um, so I had about three hours of sleep that night. I worked, got to work at four that morning to work throughout the day. I did trivia that night, then saw the movie at 10 that night and then got home a little after one and got up at three 30 to go to work the next day. So, uh, that was the first night. And then the second one was the following Saturday. Yeah. Saturday night, uh, went to Jacksonville and saw it at the Dolby theater there. And, uh, I had a lot better experience there, but I also was not struggling to stay awake throughout it. And I think there's probably 
a reason why I was so much more savage Thursday night into Friday about it. <laughs> How about you, Sean? What was your uh, experience seeing this one? So it's it's funny. Um, one of my closest friends is very adamantly against woke things appearing in films, and and to the point where he will see things that are woke that I won't. I mean, it's just not something that stands out for me. Um, very similar to the reaction that Scott was talking about, where he said, I was walking in expecting that and was pleasantly surprised that um, the film didn't have that overwhelming presence of it. I think he was more labeling it because it's a Disney film that Disney seems to be heading in that direction. And that was kind of his big concern. Uh, as far as my experience with it, I think, you know, in particular, their relationship, I thought it was more meant to accentuate what. I think what Harrison Ford and what the story wanted from where Indy's at in his life. This is a guy who is at the later point of his life. He's been away from adventuring, um, can't quite do the things that he used to do, but there's still that part of him that's longing for those days. Um, he's also a guy who's lost his marriage, lost his son. I will admit I'm glad he lost his son. Um, but <laughs> oh, man. Man. <laughs> Brutal. It's brutal, but I can't disagree. Ah, <laughs> oh, you people. I, liked, I, I did not like the character. I liked much, how they sorry. used it in this story. I thought it was something that um, it it was a father who's lost his son, and it impacted marriage. And you're, it's a character who I care about. I mean, so he felt like Indy, which was really, really important to me. Seeing her. And sometimes seeing his frustrations and dealing with her, because I was sitting here saying, young Indy wouldn't have had this happen. Um, I thought that was some of the bits of the story that I really liked. And that was kind of her purpose. Yeah, I agree that she was a little bit overpowered and all that. But I think so was young Indy <laughs> in some ways. And I, I kind of thought that she was meant to be more of the mirror of who who he wanted to be or who he once was. And those are the parts where who he once was. Yeah. And that's what. That's what um, was working for me. It's like I, I got like I felt like I was riding along with Indy in his viewing her. So that's why it worked for me so well, um, which I think in the movies at the end of the day, my favorite Indiana Jones moments have always been the ones where I felt like I wanted to be the sidekick. I wanted to be the friend. I wanted to be along with him. And I thought those elements captured that bit for me. Um, in the way that I needed, I needed to. See, now I, I, I kind of agree with both of you in the way you're giving her perspective in it. I thought she had a story arc in the movie. I think she started off with the fortune and glory aspect of it. And she eventually moved over to the family aspect of it, where Indy became more and more important and more a part of her family as it went on in her mind. But I also think in that way, she almost replaced Mutt which he, I mean, you can't replace a son who got killed. I'm not. You can't to say replace that. Mutt. <laughs> but she became his you. child effectively as the movie mm -hmm. went on. Well, she was his goddaughter, so that makes yes. sense. Yeah. But they hadn't seen each other in 30 years, and or oh, however many years it was supposed to yeah, be. Uh, yeah, no, it was not 30. You're right, like but it, however many, however many years it was, he hadn't yeah. seen her. I think it was 15. Actually, was what they said. Uh, but, you know, she wasn't really a part of his family, and then she became it. And you see that. That's borne out at the end when she and, and uh, what's his name, the kid, uh, what's it? I can't even think of his name. It's Jeffrey, uh, what, uh, Teddy. Uh, she and Teddy are kind of a part of the family with Mary mm -hmm. and at, at the house and everything. Now, what I will say, and I don't always like fan service for fan service purposes, but you could have taken Teddy out of this movie not had him in it at all and not had that character, but fill that void with short round. Oh. What do you think? Yes, but he was shooting everything everywhere all at once at the same time, as I understand. Which it. I didn't like, so <laughs> he should have done this instead. Really? But he won an Oscar for that. Hey. I know he did. And, it, and he was actually, he was a high point in that movie. I didn't like the movie. Let me throw something else at you. Why not let Sala go with him and fill that role? And I say that because Sala's, you know, I miss this. Guy. I miss the going in. I miss not doing this. And then Indy's like, yeah, you're right. We do miss this. Well, I'll go Goodbye. with you. Nah, it's, I got it. Don't worry <laughs> about it. I'm fine. Just stay here and drive a cab. We're good. 
His, Sala's biggest purpose was to say, give him hell, Indiana Jones. Yeah, which, and that was a great little moment because then it's it's interrupted by the car, which is a lot of the humor and, and the kind of the silly fun that I, I do think, you know, one of my issues with the movie is it's not quite as fun as I think it should be. But uh, but, yeah, I, I would I think Sala might have fit the bill for that character. I think Sala had a good effectively cameo in the movie. Uh but I would, I, you know, given my choice, if I, you know, you, you can do whatever you want. Uh, I think I, I really would have filled that role with, with Short Round. I would have brought him back. Uh, what it would have done, and you would still had Salah in the same cameo that he's in. And what it would have done, in my mind, is it would have created a continuity that we don't have right now. You know, in the first movie, Short Round, or in the first chronological movie, if you're going according to that, Short Round is, is there with him as effectively his adopted son. And then we never see him again. And and uh, you got uh, what's her name, the Kate Capshaw, you know she's there and then she's gone. We never see her again. But we do have Karen Allen as a through mark at least now, so I'm kind of happy with that. And we have had references to Henry Jones Sr. throughout since the third one. So there's some, you know, there is some continuity there. I think having Short Round be you know meet up with them at some point while they're on their adventure would have really just solidified that even more for me. Plus it would have just been nice to see him in the, you know, to see that Indiana maintained a relationship with him all these years. You know, I know he's dead, but post COVID, you know who they can't bring back and that's Wuhan. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you can never use that name again. <laughs> it's funny. I'm going to, I'm going to contra- I'm going to agree and contradict myself at the same time. Cause first of all, for me, the idea of seeing short round again would have been great. I love temple of doom. I would have loved to have seen more short round. I think the problem is one of the things I liked about this film was, and, and it takes away from some of the fun factor and I agree, but the idea was this was an indie who was alone. Um, and I, with the scene with Sala, I really liked how Salah, he like he, there was that little bit Indiana Jones. It's time for another ride again. He was like trying to I brought re- you your hat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And he was trying to like recapture his own youth that way. He was like he had that glimmer in his eye, and Indy wasn't ready to go there. Like and and was holding him back. He wasn't he wasn't buying all in. And I the the problem I the only reason why I'm saying that short round might not have worked there is I think that would have been a glimmer for Indy that they weren't really going for. Um, whereas Teddy came off as her short round, which for me, the problem with that, the little bit of the problem with that is I wasn't quite feeling them the same way that I would have felt the nostalgia for short round. Well, they definitely I, wanted That's why I'm saying I'm short I, I know I'm kind of like roller coastering in that. But I get what they were going for. They were going for an indie that felt very, very alone. Loss of his son. This is something that was impacting him. And we had to almost see him go on this journey that led to where he was at the end with his wife, which I I think was or his estranged wife, um, which was an interesting sort of journey that he went on through this process. I liked I did like the journey. I, I will say that. Um, they definitely wanted him to be her short round because they mirrored the way that he became her yeah. sidekick, that he was pickpocketing her and then mm-hmm. she caught him and he, and you know, kept him, basically adopted him. But I would have loved just one scene where, you know, short round meets up with them and then yeah. she says, Indiana, blah, blah, blah. And, he, and just have him say, you call him Dr. Jones. I would have just, <laughs> I would have absolutely loved it. That would hey everything you just said would have worked for me. I'm not yeah. I'm not knocking it. I and maybe uh, maybe what you do to just to kind of give the thematic carry through that you're talking about is you have him reconnect with Short Round during their adventure. Like he has lost touch with him over the last however many years. Sure. Sure. So that that would have worked. Um you know, and, and I thought the whole theme of time has passed by and kind of, you know, he no longer had his place. Uh, and it was almost painful to see him wake up, you know, in his boxer shorts yelling at people for playing music too loud. Uh, but 
that was part of the whole thing. And then, you know, he's retiring from his job and he gives away the, the clock that they give him, which is also, I guess, symbolic, the dial of destiny, the clock, time passing, time, all yeah. this stuff. You know, it's it's the, the whole movie is littered with little references to time. Yes. Uh, so, you know, that that's probably the whole theme is, you know, him coming to accept his place in the world. And what I find interesting and one of the things that goes with that critique of uh, Helena's character is at the scene, you know, towards the end when he says he wants to stay in the past and she clocks him in the face and knocks him out and brings him back. And he doesn't First wake of, up until he's been brought back and treated. And yeah. oh, never mind. Sorry. Well, that, yeah, that part. She's I a little overpowered. But, but just, uh, you know, I, I don't even go with the overpowered on that because he was just shot in the shoulder uh-huh. and, and he's lost a lot of blood. I think I could knock out an 80 year old man pretty easily who's gone through he's, that. He's a 70 year old man, pal. That's true. And maybe I can't. I don't know. Harrison Ford's tougher than me. Let's be fair. Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. I'll tell you one of the things, and maybe you guys didn't have this experience, but um, what what it did for me, what was going on with him, especially when he got shot and, and certain elements that were going on, I started feeling real worry for Indy. I was very afraid that the character was going to die in this film. Well, if he had stayed in the past, he was going to, and she made that that point very clear that he was going to get mm-hmm. sepsis and die. So mm-hmm. it's not like he was going to stay in the past and live happily as as mm-hmm. uh, you know an assistant uh, and, and, you know, be a part of history like, uh, Belloc wanted to be. Uh, so, you know, that wasn't going to happen despite his desire to stay there. No, that's true. And that's fair. Um, there, there, there is a writing issue that I had with that final scene. And I love that final scene. Even, even the, the first time I saw it, when I just hated this movie, I still loved that final scene. But there is an okay. issue that should have been addressed in the writing of the film. And this was my major in college, so I, I know wherever I speak here. Cool. Throughout the film, he talks about the loss of his son and how his marriage ended because his his wife, Marion, couldn't take it. She couldn't deal with it. She couldn't handle it, you know, and on and on and on. In the final scene, they make a reveal, but I don't know that everybody understands the reveal. And I think they needed to be clearer about it before mm. so that the end has an impact. The reveal is she's not the one that had the problem. Yes. yes. When she comes back, she says, Helena told me you were back. Are you back? In other words, she didn't leave because she was so broken up. He pushed her away because she was so broken up about it. And he didn't get that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I did get that. So, you know, I, I, I do agree with you. They could have been a little bit more I think, clear about it. And I think Helena is a good vehicle for going, wait a minute, you know, because he's talking to her. He's bearing his soul with her throughout the movie and a lot of this. And I think at some point she goes, wait a minute. She didn't leave you. She left because you pushed her out. But let's you know? let's be fair. Indiana Jones, mm-hmm. although we would all love to be Indiana Jones, he is not a flawless individual. Oh, he no, has his no. flaws, and one of yes. his flaws is his ego can't admit to the weakness that he had when his son yes. died. And I but think I, his, his, yeah. his the time when he when that comes to play in a <clears throat> in what I think was kind of a heartfelt moment, and I think it really did play well, was when she asked him about where he would go in the past if he could. I would go and tell my son not to yes to to sign up. Yeah. And, so that's but, I think that combined with the ending that you see does yeah. give you that message. But you have to be looking for it. It's they're, yeah. they're not they're not going to add a little exposition in to tell you that. I just felt like it could have resonated a little more if they had been a little clearer about it earlier before that scene. Um, but the scene itself is still a beautiful scene. It's just still uh, of all the things. It's it to me. It's great because it's I don't know. I've already jumped to the end of the film. But to me, it's great because it is it's a wonderful moment and it's the last moment. So when you walk out, you go, gosh, that was beautiful. I'm so yeah. happy that 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 moment happened the way it did. And Indiana has now found a comfort level with where he is in his life. And he's got his wife back and you have that little callback scene from Raiders about where doesn't it hurt, which I just thought was great. And, and and when we were driving home, I said to my wife, you saw that scene, you know where that's from? And she was like, oh, yeah, that was the scene in the movie. And I was like, no, but don't you remember it in Raiders of the Lost Ark? Yeah. <laughs> and she was, yeah. she was like, 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because other people are not as geeky as we are and, and don't <laughs> and, and don't, uh, you know, sit here studying these things and memorizing them the way we do. It's just the way life is. I think that's uh, what Scott has an excellent point about the writing, though, because I think, yes, we all caught it. But I think we're also seeing that it it really required, I think, to the point about continuity that you're mentioning before, Paul. I think when you look back at like the history of indie, you kind of understand that this is kind of who he is if you've seen the other films. And when you get to that sequence, it's kind of the reality of, yeah, this is the guy from Raiders. This is the guy from his interactions with his father. Those pieces, when you put them all together, you can get there. But there's also a whole audience of people, my wife being one of them, who my wife had seen the movies, but not the way we've seen the movies. And that's okay. She enjoyed the Raiders movies, but does she remember those scenes? No, I had to YouTuber the kiss, the you know the kisses. Oh from, no! So we did. So we had uh, a similar experience with. Yeah, that. And, and really because of the fact that it's a, she thought that was a very romantic scene, and it does it add is. something when you connect to this is who they were when they were younger, and to the point of your back, yes, that was there, and but the meaning of that and how it relates to not just what we've seen with his son, but who Indy's been his whole life is pretty critical, like to to have that knowledge. And if you put a little bit more into the writing in this film with that, just building to that, it could have had a little bit more pop. See, I'm I'm Um, reading. And I like, but I liked it, but I liked it though. I'm Mm -hmm. reading into that scene and I'm, I'm saying to myself, now that's something that was, you know, resonated with me in Raiders of the Lost Ark and it's carried it through. Now it's 40 years later and it's still like, oh, yeah, that was a cool scene. So I'm saying to myself in their romantic life together, in the time they've been married since, you know, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, that's something that's probably come up a few times. That's this isn't the first time that they did that since 1938. You know, they, they've they've done this over the years a few times. Where does it not hurt? That's that's the way I read it, and it just shows you this comfort level with each other, and and that's the way I'm I'm saying like you know it's like their marriage is now back, and they are what they used to be again. So yeah, you have to take it as subtext, and you have to read into it a little bit. I. I, I'm kind of on the fence with, with you on that one, Scott, because I agree with yeah. you. A little exposition kind of tell, goes a long way, but I hate when they overexpose it. And then you feel like, hey, you know what? I'm not stupid. I can see this stuff. Yeah, but I, I, I just I think that that aspect of the scene and, I, you know, the, the them together and the kissing and all that, that that works. But I feel like the aspect of of. The reality that he's the one who pushed her out. That, you know, that it wasn't her because he keeps saying she couldn't take it. She couldn't take it. Um, I feel like that doesn't really come across as a reveal at that point. It just it just kind of plays in the background. And I think that's kind of I think it's significant. And I think there there should have been a way to punch that a little bit before that scene so that it resonated there that that he gets it, that she's saying something to him. And he's like, yes, I'm back. OK. And and. So I, I feel like there just should have been a little more to it because I think it, it's too subtle a point that's being made there. See, now, I, and I, I think you'll appreciate this thought, and I don't know if you've come up with it yet, Scott, but I feel like the relationship between Indy and Marion mirrors in you – know you, know, you know how you can kind of mirror that you get the opposite image? Mm-hmm. Mirrors Han and Leia in The Force Awakens – where they're apart and he, in my opinion, needlessly sacrifices himself uh, and and mm. it feels a little empty to me that we never got to see them together again and we never got to see them love each other. But mm. their marriage fell apart because their son left, uh, you know, and, and the way that worked out. And I almost feel like this one makes up for that. Interesting. No, I had not. I had not gone there. I had not gone there, and that is an interesting angle on in that. And it's and it is and it's a little more satisfying for fans who've been there for forty some odd years. I think so. I think you know, ending yeah. it off with them together. I, I I guess you know they had this bug up their butt on the the Star Wars 
movies where they had to uh, at the end of the three movies they had to have all three of the original oh, yeah. stars you know deceased. Oh yeah, and, we'll we'll give them your guys. We'll give those guys to you, but we're taking them away because we got new guys for you. Yeah, and and I, I I would have much rather that they got to walk off to the sunset and you feel like they lived happily ever after, uh, than than kill them off. To die. Mm-hmm. What's that? Was Leia supposed to die? And my reason for asking the question was, I mean, obviously what happened with Carrie Fisher had an impact on that. Was she supposed to? I, they've never said, and I, you can never trust what they say. That's true. But, yeah. Well, but just, I, I think well, she was. You also I, I felt like she was, too. Yeah. I felt like she was supposed to be more prominent in episode nine, but also that she was supposed to go at the end of it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah. There's no question that I believe them when they say she was going to be more prominent in episode nine. Yeah. But, but I, I also have no reason to believe that they were going to let her live. I think my reasoning for that is I'm actually going to totally agree with where you were going on on, on this because I think what was so satisfying about this was exactly what I said earlier. I had when he got shot, I thought, oh no, like is this going to be him struggling to make it through to the end, and then you know, so there's going to be some sacrifice. Um, when he went back through time, you know, you know is this going to stick? Is is he somehow going to justify staying there? And this is going to be the end of his story. I didn't see it going where it did. And when they gave us that sequence, it's why it's one of my favorite in the film, because it they swerved me. I felt like a kid again when they had the sequence with him and Marion, um, which is hard to do. It took me back to the I, I was that kid that saw Raiders of the Lost Ark again. And it it that's a part where I'll totally agree with writing criticisms because I'm, I'm there, but yet when I look back at that sequence, what it did and I will endlessly love it for, it made me feel young again. And I felt there kind of the way Indy did. I mean, you know, in that moment, it took me back to wanting that relationship, wanting it to wrap up nicely. And sometimes it's just okay to do that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and give us what we want. And I want this idea that in my mind, the hat was sitting there outside the window and that maybe for them there is some like life is an adventure. There's going to be something for them that is like, you know, good ending for the two of them after everything they've been through. And that was that part of the ending. I was like, I didn't think they were going to go there. And that was satisfying for me because I think I was expecting the ending having to be some gloom and doom ending mm-hmm. where now we're, now we're going to, talk about what a profound hero he was because he sacrificed himself and i'm like i don't want that no, <laughs> no I, I agree with you 100%. i want my guy to be happy like i want yeah. him to have a life after everything that he's done and i thought that part was cool i think they understood that if they ended this off with him dying they would not have a happy audience uh and, but i don't I, i'll tell you this i don't for a second think they didn't consider that oh and i'm, I'm sure very glad the, they yeah, did but I, I uh, if I'm going to criticize things about the movie, the two characters uh, that I think could have just had a little bit more meat to them were uh, Mads Mikkelsen's character, uh, was it Jürgen Bowler? He, he felt very two-dimensional to me in this. He was just a villain. Uh, you know, and, and, and some, some of his villainy was just played because he's... Mads Mikkelsen, and he kind of looks like a villain. Uh, and and then uh, Antonio Banderas as Ronaldo also just kind of felt like, couldn't you give him something a little bit more meaty to do? Or the couldn't you have gotten Katanga to do it? I would have loved to have Katanga in it. I, I, he's he's still around. He was in the uh, the Harry Potter movies. Mm-hmm. So there's no reason he couldn't have come back and done it. Yeah, it would. That would. I, I don't mind. Like I said, I don't like just simple fan service. But if you're going to pull people in and have useful reasons for them, he's going and he he needs somebody who's going to be on a boat who's going to do it. Why wouldn't it be him? We know we can count on him. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Um. No, I think I think all of that's fair. Uh, I mean, but when you have a bad guy in something that's based on movie serials, you're going to have. I mean, Tote is not exactly the picture of depth. No, but he he's he's a supporting bad guy. I mean, Belloc mm-hmm. was the bad guy in that, and he did have depth. I mean, he did he really have depth? Depth, or did he have? Oh, I mean, no, he did his whole scene, Indiana. Did you know? Yes. Did, we're we're just making our way through history. This is history. history. That whole thing. It's, that's wonderful. Is history. Yeah, but I don't know that it's it's character depth, is it? 
I think so. I think that you're showing him, you know, when he says, you know, we are we are the same, we are, you know, what is it, two sides of mm-hmm. the same coin or whatever. I, I really feel like Shadowy that's reflection. the way he played it. And, and mm-hmm. you know, he his whole infatuation with Marion. I thought mm-hmm. he was, I think he's been the best villain in any of the movies. Yeah. That, well, I, I agree with you on that for sure. For sure. And I, I thought I, you could have done something similar with, with, with uh, Mickelson because he wasn't obsessed, even though Indiana hated him because he was a Nazi, he hmm. didn't, he wasn't obsessed with being a Nazi. He was obsessed with the dial and the power that it could bring him. And then he was going to take over. He was going back to kill Hitler so that he could be in charge. Yep. And that, but that's interesting. Yes. But I think you could have given him more. <laughs> hmm. I liked him as a villain. And I wasn't, I get what you're saying. I mean, it's hard to, you know, some of the indie villains that we've had, it's hard to, my thing is, I well, love that. Well, you remember I, the whole thing about Mola Ram's childhood disappointments, <laughs> how his dad didn't love him. <laughs> and, and he literally was like, he told his, flyer. Well, yeah, well, he, he told his shrink, you know, my dad ripped my heart out and just set it on fire. And then all of a sudden, you know, that's manifested itself in his adulthood now. So. You know, it, there's a lot of a lot of depth to a lot of these Indiana Jones films. <laughs> well, no, but I, I I really felt like he was meant to be a Belloc like mm. counterpart to Indiana. I like Mads, and, though. I I do like Mads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think he's I think, he's, I think he's fine. I don't think they gave him as much to work with as they as they should have. Did you? You know, he's loosely let's hope loosely based on Horner von Braun. And uh, I. To go on a quick side note, did you ever read J.W. Winsler's All Up book? No. No? You know J.W. Winsler, right? I've heard of J.W. He wrote a lot of the a lot of the Lucasfilm nonfiction making of type stuff for a long time. Um, and he passed away a couple of years ago. And literally, like, the year he passed away, they published his novel All Up. And it is about the space race. It's about rocket programs, rocket development. And it's one of those novels that's based, you know, it's a historical fiction. And Von Braun is one of those characters. And he's, it's such a good book. And it, and the characters are so vividly realized. So I, I, I kind of felt a little connection to the character in Dial of Destiny because he was based on him. And because I had read that particular book, um, even though it's a loose base, because you know, Von Braun is not, was not actually out trying to kill Hitler uh, so he could take over for him, I don't think. And, um, uh, so, but, but because of that, I kind of, I guess maybe that's where some of my depth of character came from is I kind of injected my experience with that book in there. All right. That's fair enough. I mean, you know, I, I criticize when, uh, when people create a scene and they say, well, it's up to your imagination to fill in the blanks. <laughs> and yet the reality is I use my imagination to fill in the blanks all the time. We all do. Yes. Uh, I just don't like that's when they take that is. too far. When they, t- you know, when they take it too far, and you know, th- to me, I always go back to, you know, the, the final scene of the of the uh, Sopranos. The the screen goes black. You know, was Tony killed or not? Well, you, that's up to you to decide. No, I don't want it to be up to me to decide. I want you yeah. to tell me. Yeah. You know, I I, I don't want a head can in it. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, again, uh, we even though I cr- I'm critical of it, I do do it all the time as we all do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just a matter of when I'm asked to do it too much that I don't like it. That's fair. I thought his motivation was interesting, though. It, it, he wanted to go back to kill Hitler because he saw in because it was he was more present day, at least present day of that time. He saw what went wrong and thought he could do it better, mm-hmm. which I thought was an interesting sort of take because, you know, it's a lot of times there's been a lot of stories about going back and killing Hitler for like you know, these wonderful motivated purposes. Like if we kill him, then all of this atrocity won't happen. This yeah. guy's like, no, uh, go he back was doing to, it too. I'm to going back to better. Like yes. I still believe in all this. Yeah. And, and really it's like Hitler was misguided. I can make this happen so much better than he did. And I mean, that to me was, I'm like, Oh, I don't know that I recall yeah. villain ever being motivated to kind of go back and do that. Yeah. That's a great twist on the let's kill Hitler premise. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's the, usually, the, the usually irony it should, is, be, should we kill a child and that type of thing? And it's that's any time I've seen it, you know, in 
in television or, you know, in film or novels, it's always been that the morality of killing a child when they talk about time travel. In this case, it's I want to kill him because I can do it because really I got a better plan. <laughs> it's like, whoa. Yeah. But I, I think the irony is that the dial was never going to take them where he wanted to go anyway. It was just taking yeah. them back to Archimedes time. But, you know, that was, again, one of the things I really liked about the movie was mm-hmm. in, in every movie they chase this, you know, for, for lack of a better term, MacGuffin. And it never delivers the way it's supposed to. Sure. Um, the arc, the arc, they open it up and it lays everybody waste. The, 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 uh, the, the, uh, 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 the Holy Grail, stones. the Holy Grail winds up ripping the whole place apart when they cross the seal. Shankara stones flame out and, and drop into the river. Um, the, the crystal skull just pretty much sucks everybody down and, and, you know, destroys that, uh, that entire mountain. Now, anytime they actually get to the big thing, it, it never works out the way they wanted to, but it's all kind of been similar to this point. And so what I liked about this was it didn't work out the way it was supposed to, but it was done in a very different way. And it was, I thought it was done in a very inventive way for that series. It was, it was very consistent with the flavor and tone of the series, but it wasn't the same thing over and over again. But I did find, you know, there was a kind of a fanciful uh, excitement in the first three movies, when they finally would see, you know, what is the art going to do? What are the stones going to do? What is the, the Holy Grail going to do that? I didn't feel with the crystal skull. It just, and I know, you know, they still tried to have their dramatic ending with, you know, the spinning and everything going on, but it just didn't do it for me. And this, when they came through the time, the rip in space and you saw the old battleships, which just happened to be, you know, conveniently the battle that, Indy was teaching about in his archaeology class a couple of days before, you know, but whatever. Uh, But just it had that feel to me that the first three did that, you know, oh, wow, look at this. This Mm. is epic. Uh, So I I, I felt it was consistent. And and you're right. It's consistent in its in in its unpredictability as to what it's going to do. Yeah. The the object never does really what they wanted it to do. And in this case, it didn't. I appreciate that very much for Archimedes either. No, that's true. <laughs> he, he baited that fish fishing rod, you know, for the purpose of like reeling in some help. And he got that punch. <laughs> but you know what? They still shot down a lot of the uh, ships. So oh, maybe yeah. they, he did get what he wanted. Well, well, he, cer- he certainly was enamored by them. Mm-hmm. So, and no, probably just learned a few things. Mm-hmm. Keeping it moving along. Uh, the score. John mm-hmm. Williams. I, I kind of like uh-huh. him. Yeah, he's okay. He might I, he might have a career. I think it's wonderful the way he worked in themes that were recognizable and still put in some other stuff. Uh I you know it, it's a shame you know, it's I think the theme of the movie is a, it's a shame we got to get old. It's a shame John Williams has got to get old cuz I, I I wish he could just do this for the rest of my life. Yeah. 91 uh, I listened to the score the night before I saw the movie, and I think, again, that was the thing that got me really amped up about going into that Thursday night showing, uh, because it just it's just a great score. And there's so many little sprinkles, like you said, you know, there's a little bit of the Nazis coming in from Last Crusade, and there's a little bit of the, you know, the chase music from uh, from Raiders in there, and, you know, the desert chase, and he just sprinkles in these little things that we're very familiar with, but also brings in a lot of the new, you know, he, he said in interviews, that when he was approached, he said, well, you know, I'll write a couple of themes for it and then I'll walk away. And apparently he got so wrapped up that he'd already written half the score by the time he'd realized what he was doing. Yeah. Well, you know, when, when you, when you have that level of talent, I guess it just comes out of you. And, yeah. And it, to be 91 and still be able to bring it is just amazing. I, I, I will remind people as much as I love Mel Brooks, you know, he stopped making movies when he made life stinks and uh, hasn't directed a movie since. And there are reasons for that because, you know, sometimes you have a window on your talent. Sometimes there's a cap, no matter how talented you are. Sometimes it's just, it's, it's over. Uh, and John Williams hasn't hit that yet. I agree. I agree. He's never going to hit it. He's going to be gone one day and that's when he hit it. Yeah. He was an important connecting thread for this too, because it felt atmospherically like it was part of the franchise, which I think is really, really hard to do now. Cause I think the way you make films now is just very different. 
Um, yeah. It's no yeah. not faulting today's films. It's just the technology is different. The way you shoot films, our expectations as an audience of what um, should, films should have are in a different place. And to make this film feel like it was part of this franchise that goes back so far um, was something that I, I thought was a success. And, and that sound was pretty important to um, giving that whole feel, you know, and, and seeing it in the theater and hearing it with, you know, a, a, just the magic that a theater can make with that type of thing. Um, I think this was a movie, anybody listening to this, because it's, it's numbers are really strange. Um, if you have not seen this in the theater, I, I know that, you know, it's going to be quickly going to be one of those things like anything else. Now it's very easy to watch it at home. Do yourself a favor and check this one out in a theater because I think you're missing something if you don't see it in that kind of environment. Well, this is this goes to and this. This was one of the points I wanted to make before we signed off. This is, you know, why is this not doing better in the theater? Uh, and I think it kind of bookends our conversation that we had about the Flash in the last episode, uh, where we talked about how people of our age hear, "Hey, Michael Keaton's playing." playing Batman and we're running to the theater for it. But somebody who's 22, 23, 24 years old is saying, who's Michael Keaton? Oh yeah. I think he was the vulture in that Spider-Man movie. You know? So, so yeah, uh, well, I, th- I think there's that, but I also think that this movie, first off, I, I, Lucasfilm just amongst the fandom Lucasfilm has kind of ripped a lot of fandom in, in two. Mm-hmm. Um, so anything Lucasfilm does at this point winds up being polarizing. I, even even now Mandalorian, which was the one thing that was uniting fans, season three of Mandalorian wound up being polarizing for a lot of fans. Yeah. Uh, so so they come out of the gate with that. And then on top of that, you've got that, that can debut that they did, out of which all these bad reviews came. Uh, and, and I think for the most part, I think those reviews were a little harsh. Uh, but the problem is, like, Crystal Skull debuted at Cannes, but it debuted like a week, week and a half before the movie. And it got better reviews, believe it or not. Uh, mm-hmm. But it did. If you look at the Rotten Tomatoes score, it's got a higher Rotten Tomatoes score than... And it was uh, one of the highest grossing movies the year it came out. And and it was, yeah. It opened with $100 million the first weekend. But um, in this situation, you had those bad reviews come out, and then you then the movie sat for a month and stewed on that bad buzz. And so it wasn't like immediately before a couple of bad, a couple of people said a couple of bad things and then a movie came out, the movie came out, people said bad things. And then the word of mouth spread that this movie was a dog before it even had a chance to get in front of any eyeballs. Uh, and I think that's and a shame. Scott, to your point, media was putting it that way too. Yeah. Um, there was now articles coming out that were, well, it was, so it wasn't just even, you know, your typical internet crowd. You had your media that was actually supporting everything that you're saying, like, um, Hey, it's getting kind of lukewarm reviews, getting bad reviews. It's uh, and that that type of thing was leading into it. You, it was like all over the place. Yeah, and, and that tomato score, the, by the way, that tomato right. score rose 16 points from can to the opening, 16 points. So uh, it, the reviews after that one night were pretty solid. Yeah, I, I you know, the, 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 to me, there's that intimate, internet mentality that I've talked about so many times where it's like, if it's not the best, it's the worst. Yes. Nothing is in between. Nothing can be just good. This yeah. movie was not as good as Raiders of the Lost Ark, so it can't be the best. Uh, it's not as bad as Kingdom of Crystal Skull, so it can't be the worst. Uh, go ahead. I'm, well, this is not the episode to defend Crystal Skull, but at some point you know I'm going to defend We are going to give you that opportunity. Uh, <laughs> Sean and I were talking before we were recording, well, I saying I haven't seen Crystal Skull since I saw it in the movies, and I want to give it another chance. So I, I rewatched um, the first hour. One, one of my criticisms of, of Dial of Destiny is I talked about this before that kind of the the lack of the fun factor. Um, you know, the chases are chases, and in the previous the Spielberg movies, the chases are littered with all of these funny little bits and silly little moments and you know these winks and nods to the camera to let you know this is just a roller coaster and this is just fun you know this is not that serious uh and and a lot of that is missing in dial the the chase sequences are interesting but they're not fun per se Um, that's that's the i think that's when you know you take any good director and ask him to be steven spielberg no, well, that, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, yeah, the, the big criticism of James Mangold on this is he's not Steven Spielberg. Because James know? Mangold and, is a good director. And yes, he is. And frankly, I was looking at his filmography. 
I feel like he's gotten better and better yeah. and better. And he started off not all that bad to begin with. No. And he's he's improved as he's gone along. Totally agree. Ford versus Ferrari, I thought was an excellent movie. Logan is considered to be one of the best superhero movies ever. You know, I mean, yeah. he's been really solid. It is considered that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, Wolverine cries too much. But. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. The criticism there is is it's kind of hard to make that criticism because yeah, you're literally saying Mangold is not Spielberg. But my point on that was, uh, I went and rewatched the first hour of Crystal Skull yesterday. I watched basically up until the monkeys. The monkeys always stop it for me. Um, but also I, I finished my bike ride at that point. And there is just like in the sequence in this lesser thought of film in the in the action sequence, the chasing was there's just all these little funny bits and all these little quirky moments and all these. Uh, interesting framings and, and uh, you know, there's one, sh- one scene and it's just a, an exposition scene when they're just talking, but he moves the camera around, does a single take and moves the camera around to three different points, you know, stops the camera, three different points where the, the it's framed perfectly and lit perfectly. And it has that illusion of cutting and editing when it's not, it's all one take. Um, but it just, uh, the brain it takes to compose almost three dimensional shots like that. Uh, well, it's just you know, stunning to me. The old expression of a bad day fishing is better than a good day at work. Yeah. Bad Steven Spielberg is better than almost any other good movie. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but, I mean, but you know, just, we are going to give uh, you the chance. I don't want, I don't want to d- dig too deep into that because yeah, okay. we were no, saying yeah, yeah. so far you and I have done Temple of Doom and we're yeah. doing this. The other three Indiana Jones movies are untouched on Is It Yours and we'll need to have you back to do those. I will do. I will gladly do all of them. Okay, so we will get there. So that's that's just your little tease of yes. your Kingdom of Crystal yeah. Skull review. But yeah, and that, I only say it just to just to frame it up with, you know, my comparison to this movie. That's all. And for now, mm-hmm. where does this fall on the Jaws scale? Oh, so interesting. So we're going to the Jaws scale, where nobody has addressed the uh, the opening twenty. Oh, you know what? Yes, I think I think, and I've seen criticism of it, mm-hmm. but I think that was some of the best de aging. CGI I've ever seen. And I've seen people say, no, it was a little wonky. The voices were, were a little off. Yeah, you know what? It was old Harrison voice, Ford's voice coming out of young Harrison Ford's face. But I thought the, the images on the screen were incredible. I wish I hadn't known. <laughs> and, and my reason yeah. for saying that is there were points in time where I was with two. I was with there was four of us, it was my wife and two other buddies of mine. And the two buddies of mine, one of them was saying that did they because he must not have known what they did. Did they just use old footage for that? Um, I will will admit because I was looking for it. There were a couple sequences where I'm like, I noticed that it was, you know, CG and that they did that. But I got to say, they they transported me to this being young indie. And yes, I heard the voice, too. I get that. But I think the piece, I think that technology is fascinating. Um, I thought for this film, their use of technology was very um, judicious. They were, you know, strategically used technology to for a storytelling purpose and practical effects whenever they could, which I thought was a great balance of this. Um, I really liked seeing young Indy in this because if you're contrasting the fact that this is a guy now who is longing for those years having the opportunity for us to see him and see a new footage of that young Indy. Um, I, and I wanted to connect with that guy a little bit. So mm-hmm. they, they got me with it. Yes. I saw, I get some of the criticism. Sure. Okay. I kind of saw it too. Would yeah. I change anything that they did there? Absolutely not. I wanted that. <laughs> no, it, 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 it's cool technology that I honestly hope that they, I don't want to see them overuse it, but when there's opportunities to do something cool like this with mm-hmm. it, that technology is only going to advance and only going to get better. Yes. And boy, this was a good use of it. When when I first came out of Rogue One, I remember going to Facebook Live and doing a review to, like in the car after I saw Rogue One for the first time. And I remember when Tarkin showed up and my, my comments on Tarkin were, uh, it's really impressive, but it's not a home run. It's a ground rule double. And yeah. Tarkin, Tarkin was a ground rule double. I think Indy in this movie was a triple. Mm-hmm. 
think it's, it's as good still, as I've seen so far. And maybe they can perfect, still get better. But it's great. Yeah. But it's as good as I've ever seen. And if you, I, I think if you weren't aware to be looking for it, you wouldn't have seen any of the flaws. Yeah. Well, and I and I think I think you're right on that. I think also they have that respeecher, and I was kind of surprised they did not use the respeecher uh, program to to de-age the voice like they've done with Mark Hamill on Mandalorian. That surprised yeah. me. Yeah, I, I, I agree. felt like they could have done that. Okay, but, so but yeah, now it's, it's a triple. Okay. So now, where do you rate this? Am I going first? Do you want to go first? Uh, I will. Um, okay. I I it's Jaws two. Now the first night I saw it, it was Jaws: The Revenge, but uh, it's Jaws two. I mean, look, Jaws two is nice. Jaws two is good. Jaws two is well well done. It's evocative of the first film. Has a lot of the flavor. Has all the characters. Um, and I think I think this is a comfortable Jaws two. I'm gonna agree with you wholeheartedly, and I think Jaws two is a fine rating for this movie. Yeah. I think you know to to expect it to be the original Raiders of the Lost Ark is just unfair. Mm-hmm. I was talking with Sean before we started recording. I was saying, when I make my list of my favorite movies of all time, Raiders of the Lost Ark is invariably within the top five Yeah, of all time. Yes. So you want to, you want to come up with a sequel and it's got to be, it's got to match that please. Yeah. I think that's a little unfair. Yeah. This was a fun movie for me. It was great to see Indiana Jones do some Indiana Jones things without it being so, over the top that it was unbelievable that a man of his age would do it. Um, I mean, it's always unbelievable, but it's no more unbelievable than when he was 40 and he was doing it. So I'm, I'm all for it. I, I really enjoyed this and I look forward to seeing it a second time. Jaws 2. This was Jaws 2 for me because of the fact that I felt like in certain key sequences, I was riding along with my buddy again. Um, I felt like a little kid again. And it was, you know, for a film to be able to do that, I'm 52. To make me feel like, you know, I, I I was that kid again and and give me those special moments with this character. I know it was his closure on this, but sometimes when they go for closure, they go for sometimes the uh, exclamation point finality. And I really appreciated the fact that they made the choice to make this a film that I will want to rewatch again. I want to see it again already um, for all the positive choices that they made. It's a Jaws 2. I mean, it, it's... Mm-hmm. It will it will be rewatchable over and over again for me, and it has and actually I'm saying Jaws too I'm sticking to it but there's some extra credit in there for the the little kid aspect of it in me that is going to give it a little bit more oomph than even that. It's like a Jaws two plus. Yes, yes, I'll go. With it's that. it's almost like it's Jaws two but you give it the plus because it's Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah, but that's what you want to feel. Yeah, okay. yes, that's and and to oh. me that was absolutely satisfying. Yeah. That's was, all I could have asked for. Can can I can I just can I can I I don't want a last Jedi bash here. But you know, yeah. the last Jedi comes across as, you know, I'm gonna condescendingly defy everything that everybody wanted out of this film. Mm-hmm. And uh this movie said, I really love these movies, and here's what I loved about them. And let me this is my crack at doing what I loved about these movies. And I'm not trying to destroy anything that you you know that came before it. I'm yeah. also and I'm not and I'm I, not trying to justify my own existence by doing yeah. something totally yeah, different. Yeah, I'm not trying to put this my is, stamp on somebody else's thing. I'm trying to give you that thing. This I is James Mangold like, saying, "I'm going to try and do my best to be Spielberg." Yeah. I also felt like in some ways he was defying what everybody thought he was going to do. <laughs> <laughs> and good for him then. Because yeah. I, I, there's so many people that I talked to that thought there was going to be certain things that happened in this film because it was the Disney version of this. And I like that instead he didn't do that. No. I'm, I'm with you totally. All right. So that's going to do it for the Dial of Destiny. Thanks, Scott, for coming on. I appreciate it. Making the I'm, time for us, which I know is never easy. I'm sorry that it, it took me this long to do this. So, uh, and of course, Sean, always, always a pleasure to have you here at my side, metaphorically speaking. Uh, (laughs) But now we will have Scott back when we can figure it out a good time to do it. And odds are we're going to do another Indiana Jones movie, but you never know. Maybe we'll sprinkle in another Star Wars. I'm on board. Whatever. Let's just do it. Let's do it tonight. Right now. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Under the moon.
her feet. Water displacement. Get in the pool! What? Help me open the door! Well, they didn't get out the doors. Get in the pool! Hey, I'm getting in the pool. Help me! Archimedes was fascinated by water displacement! 